the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hallelujah, everybody. Ron Geyer and Time Insights. Thank you so much for joining us. We're having a good time here. Exciting things are happening in the nation, in the world. I'm sure you're familiar with the peace agreement between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. In my opinion, I'm just going to tell you right up front, I do not believe it's a good thing. Obviously, it won't last. And yet anytime, and this is important, anytime that you see Israel giving up land or not putting their people on the land that God gave to them, it's a no-no. It's a negative. And President Trump needs to be careful about promoting that and siding with it. And you just want to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, that the heart of the Jew would be turned back to you, O Father God, that there would be peace in her palace, there would be praise in her walls. You know, God said that he was going to be a flaming wall of fire to protect Israel from her enemies. And we do not want to be on the, the wrong side where we are pressuring Israel to give up land for peace. That's just not going to cut it. So we pray the wisdom of God over Mr. Trump. He's led by the Spirit of God. He knows the voice of the Good Shepherd, the voice of a stranger. He will not follow in Jesus' name. So I want to talk to you about tares and testings today. It's very important that we approach this subject because, you know, we're in the church, and obviously the church is in a battle, and there's a lot of reasons why we're suffering some of these defeats. There's a lot of temptations out there for us. There's a lot of trials that we have to go through, and there's a lot of testings that we have to go through as a church. And I find it interesting that the environment in which God called the church to operate in is one where we are living with people within our own kingdom of heaven. It's made up not only of wheat, but it's made up of tares as well. And the tares, I'm going to explain to you, I know I touched on it last week, The tares are a danger to us. They're very dangerous, and God is not removing them. The angels will remove them at the end-time harvest, but they are to grow up with us. So so we're going to give you some of the identifying characteristics of these tares so you know what you're up against, because this is the environment that we're operating in. Remember, we're pilgrims and strangers here. This is not our home. We're ambassadors. We don't belong here. This is not a place where we rule and reign. This is a place where we are tested. This is a place... We're representing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and that's our task. We are ambassadors. We don't get to make the rules, but we do want to represent the rules from the kingdom of heaven. We want to be good witnesses, and we want to show people what kingdom living looks like. And we are equipped to do that through the baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I want to read from you Matthew 13. That's where you're going to have the dissertation by Jesus on the tares. It's very important. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse 25. Oh, let's go to 24. This is Jesus talking. Everything I'm going to tell you right now is in red. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while man slept, 
That's important. We'll come back to that. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? And from whence then has it tares in it? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Shall we go and gather up the enemy? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn and gather the wheat into my barn after that. So we see the story by Jesus. It's a parable. And He's speaking to the disciples or he's speaking to the church. And the key point about these tares, it talks about the fact that this is the kingdom of heaven. There are tares in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven includes wheat, good people, the body of Christ, saints, those who love the Lord, and tares, those who are counterfeit, those who are poisoned to the body of Christ, those who are bent on the destruction of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, the church, our faith. And so we have to make a distinction between the two of them. We have to know who's who and what's what. What I love about it here in this same chapter, uh, Jesus sends the multitude away and he went to his house and the disciples came unto him and they said, declare unto us the parable of the terrors of the field. Explain it to us, please. And so Jesus does that in verse 37. And he says, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So Jesus is saying, I am sowing good seed. The field that I am sowing this seed in is the world. And it's also the world which consists of the kingdom of heaven. Some would say that world is the church. Uh, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field where he's sowing the seed is the kingdom of heaven. And the tares are the children of the wicked one. So he makes it clear there's good seed that he sowed. He's sowing it into the world or into the church. He's sowing it into the kingdom of heaven. And somebody came and they sowed tares and it was done by the wicked one. The enemy that sowed the tares is the devil. So we have a direct accusation by Jesus Christ that it is the devil that sows the tares into the kingdom of heaven. The harvest is the end of the world. That's clear. And the reapers are the angels. So basically the angels are going to do the separating. We in the body of Christ, we in the church, we are not to be doing the separating. It's not our job to do that. It is the job of the angels and it will not happen until the end time harvest. Now it's important to note that God didn't call us to do the separating, but that doesn't mean we aren't to know who's who and what's going on. It's part of our testing process as far as understanding, will we discern the difference between right and wrong? You know, the Bible talks about there's going to be false teachers. These false teachers in the kingdom of heaven are tares. There's going to be false doctrine. There's going to be the great apostasy, the falling away from the church. And the tares play a huge role in that. Don't forget, the greatest dangers to the church are not from without. They are from within. And we need to be wise to that. So we want to go back to the scripture. Jesus is talking. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire at the end, so shall it be the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity or sin or lawlessness. And he shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus says that, that means you are required to know this. So let me give you a little bit of insight into the tares. It's very important because I love this. 
it, it's really fascinating once you understand this. Let's make sure we understand about the terrors. In my opinion, the danger that's presented to us by the terrors is so much more deadly than what the government is doing on the outside, what the Democrats are doing on the outside, what China is doing on the outside, what lawlessness is doing on the outside. That's dangerous, yes, but the danger presented by the terrors within the church is so much more mm, potentially destructive to us. The bad seeds in the church grow to become poisonous weeds that only allow the healthiest of the wheat to survive. Understand, Satan uses confusion to cause problems in the church. That's why the two of us together, we don't know the difference while we're young, because only when the wheat starts growing, uh, what's it called? When Only when the wheat starts growing with the ears, Jesus referred to it. That's when we can tell the difference between the tares and the true wheat. Tares are basically weeds, and here they're referred to as Darnell seeds, and the Darnell seed, you can't tell the difference when the wheat is young from the actual Darnell seed, because the Darnell seed looks just like immature wheat. They're exactly the same. To try to destroy the Darnell seed at that point would mean destroying much of the wheat also. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about it. Uh, it would be very difficult, nearly impossible to separate the Darnell seed from the wheat. Only when the wheat has matured can the tares be detected. So as we grow in Christ, as we become mature Christians, as we learn to rightly divide the word of truth, as we learn to discern the difference between good and evil, as we start eating the meat of the word when we're young, the Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, we're not to stay on the milk diet all the time. We're supposed to be mature and eat meat. And that's when we grow and you can tell the difference between good and bad within the church. Only when the wheat has matured can the tares be detected. Then the tares are gathered together in bundles and the field is destroyed. So then, this is the environment in which the church is operating in. We're operating in an environment where we are working in an environment where there are traitors in our midst. Now that's a very dangerous scenario. And yet, God trusts us. He trusts his Holy Spirit in us. We have to operate in an environment where poison is present. The Darnell seeds are actually poison. They're just not low-riding in there in the kingdom of heaven. They're just not subtly, quietly hanging out, doing nothing. They're actually poisoning the immature wheat. The chances of them poisoning the mature wheat are slim because that's it. We're mature. We're grown. We're sturdy. We're hardy. We can go ahead and withstand the deception and the lies from the tares, the poison. But the poison can destroy the young wheat. That's why we have got to be so careful about looking out for those in the body of Christ who are babies. It's so important. You know, this is the environment where people who are supposedly be with us are destroying us by lying to us, by deceiving us, by preaching false doctrines to us. They are bent on our destruction. They come to destroy us and to ruin our faith. It's such an important point that we really need to make a distinction between tares and wheat in the body of Christ. Many now who are not in the process of being converted, uh, you know, we resemble the tares. It's important. If you're in the church and you're a baby Christian and you're still like a baby Christian, it's difficult to tell you the difference between you being a baby Christian and the poisonous Darnell seed, the wheat there. But just like true Christians, we go to church, we pray, we read the Bible, but basically they're only religious lobbyists. Martin Collins calls them religious hobbyists, rather, and Christianity is a hobby. You know, many of our churches today, they're just Christian groups. They're Christian nightclubs. They're Christian groups. They're Christian, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, fraternities. 
And it's important that we recognize that within these fraternities of Christendom, Jesus calls these people their sons of the wicked one in Matthew thirteen thirty eight, And being terrorists, their future is destruction. The terrorists, they're not really originally from Satan. They don't come from the wicked one, but they develop a character according to the strong influence, uh, Satan's strong influence. They are led by him, therefore they are the children of Satan. Martin G. Collins wrote that. So it's important that we recognize our responsibility to know the truth. Jesus tells us you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What truth is that? Every truth. The more truth you know, the more freedom you will experience. Ouch. Let me say that again. That's really good. As you read your Bible, as you come to have fellowship with God, as you allow the Holy Spirit of God to reveal God's written word to you, the more truth that you learn, the more you read your Bible, the more revelation about truth you get, the greater your level of freedom is going to be. I remember when Jesus was talking to Peter, because we see the example right here. Jesus talking to Peter, baby Christian Peter, and he said in Luke twenty two thirty one, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. And I think you can say that about anybody in the church today, but this was specifically Satan himself was after Peter. I think Satan had an inkling uh, about the anointing and the great ministry that Peter was going to have. And so Satan himself came to desire to sift Peter as wheat. And Jesus said, I've prayed for you. And I love the way Jesus prayed. He told us how he prayed for Peter. He prayed for Peter. Peter, I'm going to pray that your faith wouldn't fail you. And I thought that was great. So Satan was after Peter's faith. And uh, Satan felt if he could take Peter's faith, if he could destroy Peter's faith, then he could take Peter down. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm praying for you that your faith would fail not. And then he says, when thou art converted, or as the Living Bible says, Peter, but when you have repented and turned back to me again, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I love that. There's so many lessons in there. Jesus knew that Peter was going to fall. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. Jesus knew that Satan was going to make great inroads into the destruction of Peter's faith. But Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to pray for you. And when you have recovered, when you have returned to me, when you have repeated, he knew whether it was a statement of faith by Jesus or not, or whether he just plain out had a word of wisdom that Peter was going to turn back to him after he fell. It was when you have returned back to me, then I've got an assignment for you. And I think that's so important because many of us have fallen. Many of us struggle. Many of us have thrown our faith down. There's a great scripture in Hebrews 10:35. I love it. It says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that will come will come and shall not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, says the Lord, hallelujah, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back into perdition. We are those that believe to the saving of our souls. And I love the way Kenneth Copeland talks about verse 35. It's written in the King James, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Uh, he says, cast not away your faith. Don't throw down your faith. It's so important that we remember that, that faith is the way that we please the Father God. Faith is important to us. It's how we operate in the kingdom of God. It's, it's how we appropriate the promises of God. 
And you must understand that the tares in the church today are designed to ruin our faith. We need to maintain our faith. We need to keep our faith. My pastor gave a sermon the other day about faith, and it's important that we guard our faith, that we stir up our faith, that we pray in faith, that we protect our faith, that we use our faith. It's so important that we share our faith. And so it's important that we are remembering that it's our faith that is under assault by the enemy. Peter talks about, I love Peter. Peter's good. You know, I was raised Catholic growing up. And then I think when you reach the age of 12 or 13 or 14, you get confirmed in Catholic church. The priest comes, he slaps you on the face. Actually, they slap me on the face much more than when I receive confirmation. <laughs> you get to choose a middle name. My name is Ronald. My middle name is Edward. My last name is Guy. And then I pick a confirmation name. I chose the name of Peter because I always liked Peter. Even when I didn't know Christ, I loved Peter in the Bible. And it is so funny because I am just like Peter. Peter was an outgoing, sanguine temperament. He always was talking when he should have been listening. He leaped before he looked. He made promises he couldn't keep. And wow, it's no surprise that I chose the name of Peter because I'm just like Peter. Remember what they were in the boat and Peter's looking out. Everybody's sleeping like they should be and they're fishing and Jesus is walking on the water and there's Peter. And what's he doing? He's looking out there for something to do. And so he sees Jesus walking on the water. He wasn't sure it was Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come out on the water. And so Jesus said, come. So he starts walking on the water. But then all of a sudden it hits him. What am I doing? And he starts sinking and Jesus had to save him. But that's Peter leaping before he's looking. So anyway, where am I? I'm talking about Peter. First Peter. I love first Peter. Actually, I love second Peter, but I love first Peter too. And First Peter, the scripture I want to talk about is First Peter four twelve and thirteen, very important scriptures. And it's beloved. This is First Peter chapter four verse twelve. Beloved, think it not strange this fiery trial, which is to try you or to test you, as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings and. Paul talks about sufferings with Christ. He says uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. How many of you woke up and decided you were going to pray that prayer today? Lord, I not only want to know the power of your resurrection, I not only want to know you, but I want to rejoice. I want to partake in the fellowship of your sufferings. That prayer doesn't get prayed. And yet it's paramount to knowing the resurrection power of God. It's paramount to knowing the person of who God is. So, First Peter four twelve and 13, talking about the testings. We're talking about the tares, which are in your church building, the tares, which are in the body of Christ today as we speak after your faith, designed to take you down, designed to help you become inept in the operation of the things of God to basically neuter your ability to serve God. And so First Peter four twelve, don't think it's strange that there's going to be a fiery trial and you're going to be tested by this fiery trial. And people think that God doesn't test us. He most certainly does test us. He tests just the fact that the tares are in the church growing up with us and God's leaving them in there is a test. You've got to understand that. You've got to know about the kingdom of God. You've got to know about the process for the kingdom of God. You've got to know about the principles of the kingdom of God. And you have to know the person of the kingdom of God. And you've got to know the persons of the kingdom of God. You've got to be able to Tell the difference between a tear and a true wheat. And that's why you read your Bible. That's how your senses are exercised to discern the difference between good and evil. It was in Hebrews. I think that's Hebrews 5.13. I want to read that. That's such a great scripture. 
Let's see, I didn't write it down, but I did bring my Bible. Hebrews 5. Do I have it right? 5.13? Wow, I did. For when the time has come that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. So basically, uh, Paul's saying, you guys ought to be teaching this stuff. You've been around me long enough. You've been in the word of God. You need to know what the Bible says, and you need to be teaching others. And yet he says that you have not been doing this. Therefore, you have need of milk again and not strong meat. And then he goes on to say, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He's still a baby. And I cannot tell you how dangerous that is, because if you're remaining as a baby, it is the babies who are in danger from the poisonous tares in the church. Remember, we read that, that the tares look just like the babies. And then when the babies grow up, they no longer look like the tares because they're producing fruit. Well, if you're only drinking the milk of the word and you're not eating the meat of the word, you will remain a baby. You will remain at risk for destruction from the tares that God is allowing in the church. That is a test and you need to pass those tests. Verse 14, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age or mature, even those who by reason of use Use of what? Use of the word of God, even by those who reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You ought to know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. You want to know why Christians vote for Democrats? The Democrats who basically have an anti-God platform? (laughs) I mean, it's just everything that they stand for is anti-God. They are the party of the Antichrist. I don't mind saying that. It's true. I will defend it. I will debate anyone that cares to make a case for that or against it. It's just so obvious and we need to know the difference. So I would say those people that are voting Democrat, those people that are supporting candidates that want to kill the babies, those people that are supporting the Black Lives Movement, which is a domestic terrorist organization that's bent on the destruction of the family unit that has its roots in the gay and lesbian movement, which is further destroying the family unit. I will debate anybody about that. And so when you don't know that that is wrong, it's because you're still on the breast of the word as it would be. You're not growing. You haven't grown. It could be many reasons. You could still be in a church. You're failing tests that God's putting out there for you. You're having to repeat the test. Remember in school when you failed the test, you had to repeat that test over and over. Well, it's important that you're growing in Christ on the meat of the word and you're able to discern the difference between what's right and wrong. One of the ways God tests us is by seeing how much we've grown in the word of God. And the other scripture I want to give you is First Peter 1, 7. Oh, but let me go back to that. Don't think it's strange, the fiery trial, which is to test you. Like I said, you're in an environment in the world. You're an ambassador here. You don't belong here. You are on the enemy's territory, okay? When Adam sinned, it became the territory of the enemy. And don't think the things that are happening are strange. And I love the fact that God wrote all this stuff for us. And so... We're operating in the enemy's camp. We're operating in the enemy's territory. Don't think that persecuting you is strange. It's not. You're a freak in this earth. You love the Lord God. You talk different. You think different. You act different. And so we have to be prepared to accept the responsibility of persecution, the responsibility of suffering for Christ. This stuff is only natural. It's natural to us. But we don't run from it. We don't hide from it. Truth be told, you're not going to like it. But you embrace this stuff. It's part of your growth in the kingdom of God. Don't forget, God's using us now, testing us now, building us and growing us so that we can be judging angels, so that we can be serving with him as kings and priests in the kingdom of heaven when he does establish it in the new heaven and the new earth. First Peter 1.7. 
that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found into the praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Christ. Isn't that neat? Your faith is being tested. And it's probably your most prized possession. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but your faith, that the trial of your faith, your faith is on trial. Did you hear me? Your faith is on trial. There are accusations coming from all sides. Satan is, he's the prosecutor. And he's telling the Lord God during this trial that, hey, you're weak. Hey, it's counterfeit. Hey, it's not real. And that's one of the translations that the King James says, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. And the Amplified says, the genuineness of your faith. These troubles, they test your faith. They prove whether it's pure or not. God knows the outcome. These tests are to prove to you how strong your faith is, whether it needs more feeding for development. That's where we're going with this. You've got to learn how to feed your faith. Last thing, I know that it's hard, but we need to embrace God's total plan for our lives. We need to embrace the plan, even when it's unpleasant, even when it's difficult. So I'll be praying for you. It's the only way we will be found to the praise and the glory of God. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.